Welcome to Nuance in Healthcare, a project by Nuance Communications. I'm your host, Jeff Large. On today's show, I spoke with Tony Oliva, Chief Medical Officer for Nuance Healthcare, focused primarily on clinical documentation improvement and physician-facing technologies. We're going to pick up this conversation with Tony explaining a bit more about his day-to-day responsibilities. Hello, I'm uh, Tony Oliva. I'm the Chief Medical Officer for Nuance Healthcare. I focus on our clinical documentation improvement and our physician documentation technology. Perfect. And so what are your typical responsibilities or what does your day-to-day normally look like? Yeah. So I do a lot of clinical support for our CDI program, especially around the appropriateness of some of our clinical findings as they relate to building some of our intelligence around physician-facing tools. Um, I spend a lot of time with our sales team. Since I come from a CMO hospital environment, uh, I spent 15 years as a hospital CMO. I think it's helpful to give both sides that perspective during a sales meeting. I think I can help both the clients sort of understand where we're coming from because I had to do that when I was on that side. I think it helps our team understand where the clients are coming from, especially the C-suite and how they think about where they might go with both technology and clinical documentation improvement. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's great. First, just for the listener, I mean, we were able to speak with you in the last season of the show, and and I definitely appreciate the fact that you have both the hospital side experience and nuance side experience. It seems like it gives you a very unique perspective. Yeah, and especially being around physician management, the role of the CMO sort of connects both the physician world and the hospital world, which gives me a bit of a unique perspective from both worlds as Mm -hmm. we have products that affect the physician's workflow, but the physician may not be the purchaser Mm -hmm. of that product, right? So working, understanding how both of those things work together is important. Yeah, so from that point of view, let's say, pre-pandemic, pre-COVID, what were some of the challenges or common pain points you were seeing on a regular basis? Yeah, I think that a couple of things. One has always been, as we talk about clinical documentation improvement, is physicians understanding the relevance or importance of this to them, right? So why is this important to me? There is a disconnect on the inpatient world when we get paid because the physicians are not paid the same way. So what is relevant to the hospital from a documentation standpoint for how they get paid or how they get measured isn't as relevant for the physician on how they get paid or measured. So that creates an engagement issue that we've always had to work with physicians to help them understand how the two worlds connect. And the biggest place where we found help physicians understand how those connect have been in quality because that's actually the world uses their inpatient scores to measure them. And physicians don't always understand that, right? Especially in the surgical world and some of of those aspects. But also as physicians have become more employed by health systems or contracted by health systems, the majority of the time revenue becomes a concurrent problem right? Hospitals tend to subsidize physician salaries 
therefore the better the physician does lowers that subsidy can therefore help them do better because you're both potentially improving at the margin as opposed to directly getting paid for what you do. So trying to help them understand how the world is changing, how they are interconnected to that, how the world may view them in the future because of their quality performance based on those same types of documentation issues that drive the hospital also will affect them. So I think that's been our, was our biggest problem. Okay. And then, so like kind of in light of that, and now what most of us are dealing with, with the pandemic, obviously it's affected different states and different severities, but sort of generally speaking, how have those things been compounded now because of COVID? Yeah, big issues, right? So, you know, hospitals invested a lot in making sure that they were capturing the documentation from the physician in a way that optimized their ability to code the record. And they put a lot of infrastructure in place to do that, most of it in the traditional way, which is human infrastructure, using clinical documentation specialists in that world. All of a sudden, we come up against COVID. And there, especially in places that were hit relatively hard, but initially sort of across the board when we cut elective surgeries and other things, there was a huge decrease in revenue to hospitals. So what we saw is the hospitals beginning to transition some of that non-direct care support away from those positions. So we saw clinical documentation specialists either being put on the front lines or furloughed which sort of was fighting against themselves, right? Because the still need to make sure you're documenting and capturing everything was still important. You just didn't have as many human resources to do that. And I think that was a glaring hole that was presented by COVID across the board because almost everywhere did that, which meant that without those human resources, that, that hole existed and there was nothing to fill it. And then the question becomes, when do you start bringing them back? When do you start ramping back up? How do you make those determinations? And then what you've missed potentially is gone forever, right? You, you don't get that chance to necessarily go back and capture it again. So that was present before because we were completely reliant on a human resourced system. But COVID, I think, brought that out pretty clear that that was something that we needed to help hospitals understand that there might be better ways to address that. Mm -hmm. All right. And then so now the magic question, how do we begin to approach recovery when we're dealing with yeah. these types of problems? So a couple of things. One is there's a natural recovery just from the change in patient flow, right? So finally, elective cases come back in and you start to get back to your norm. There's a second piece of this, which there's a little change in how even physicians or hospitals might even approach how they manage patients. So before, where you might put a patient in the hospital pre-COVID because the patient was sick enough and it was the sort of typical way you manage that, you come back to COVID where you, you don't necessarily want to put that CHF, congestive heart failure patient, into the hospital amidst all these COVID patients too, right? Because that may put them at risk. So you saw a lot of more aggressive management of typical things that you would take care of in the hospital in the outpatient setting. So that sort of just changes the mentality a little bit, right? So now I'm used to taking care of those patients and it worked out pretty well in most cases. So maybe I change how I'm doing that. So that's a decrease in potential caseload, at least in the hospital. So those are sort of the natural part of the 
COVID piece. The second piece becomes, okay, we know there were holes in that process. How do we begin to fill those holes in a way where if we get another wave or we get something else, how do we protect ourselves from that and start thinking about that? Because that wave might not be this fall. It could be a year from now with another virus, right? We just don't know what's going to happen out there. So as we think about that, where can we begin to use non-human resources to sustain operations around clinical documentation improvement while we're dealing with the clinical aspects of another pandemic or a, a second wave of a pandemic. And I think as we start to think about recovery, we have to think about what sort of the normal return of cases and what will that look like in sort of our normal function, but then how are we gonna establish thing, types of technology that can help us avoid those holes in the future and protect us from that as we go forward using artificial intelligence or other solutions. Mm -hmm. And then you started to allude to some of these things, but do you have any specifics, um, let's say either low-hanging fruit or maybe kind of what we need to be thinking of just in the near future that people can start doing now? Yeah. So because of, especially with Nuance's history for so many years around clinical documentation, with Dragon, with natural language processing, it became clear to us over time that there were types of clarifications that a human being used to do all the time that would render themselves that we could duplicate that process using artificial intelligence in some of those cases. I consider those sort of what we call the low-lying fruit diagnosis for a CDS. It's where you're focused on really identifying a pure diagnosis more than some of the other things that a CDS might do around what you do with that diagnosis, but just the finding of that diagnosis. And there are a lot of diagnoses that CDSs ask over and over and over again that stay there year after year after year that could be relegated to the assistance of AI. So by putting computer-assisted physician documentation in place, something that using artificial intelligence with our natural language processing, could we identify some of those key clinical terms, risk factors, treatments that clearly could be identified by AI as a diagnosis that was present but not fully articulated? and present that to the physician in real time instead of waiting for the next day when a CDS could come and do that. Now, if we can do that, we recognize that that was about 60 to 70% of the majority of clarifications that we did. Now, we wanna make sure that we're asking accurate and good clarifications, so we want a certain confidence level before we just go out and ask them. But even in that case, we've consistently been able to show that we could reduce the number of retrospective clarification, the type of clarifications that the CDS is sending by about 40%, that they can get them up in their workflow. Well, that's huge because I don't have to go back to my note the next day. I don't have to go open my inbox and answer a clarification. It's just there before I even close the note. So that's a huge potential win. The nice part about that is the engine doesn't take sick time. It doesn't take PTO. It's always there 24 hours, seven days a week, looking at those potential clarifications. The second piece is in this process, can we make the CDS more efficient using artificial intelligence, right? So if you think about the work a CDS does, clinical documentation specialists, they go and look at a record for opportunities around 
clarifying documentation. But only about 25 to 30 percent of the time do they find something, which means that seven out of 10 records, they're not going to find anything. So is there a way using artificial intelligence that we can start sifting through those hundred records and find those 30 or 40 that have higher likelihood of being an opportunity so that they don't have to spend the time on those 60 or 70 percent that they may not need to be looking at or can look at if they have additional time to do that. So another way of using AI is to begin to prioritize workflow in some manner that helps them address the higher likelihood problems, makes them more efficient so that the time they have saved can be spent spending time on more complex types of opportunities, quality issues, other things that are important to the organization that they can do because they're uniquely in that record looking at documentation every day. So if you put those two things together, if you think about, gee, front-end opportunities to find diagnosis, then prioritizing the work list, and then the prioritized work list even becoming better because the physician found those diagnoses up front, you really start to see the power of creating some efficiency in the workflow that's never been there before for CDI. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's quite amazing. So what I'm hearing then is step one is being able to just take a more, with the assistance of something like artificial intelligence, able to take a more accurate record out of the gate so there's less back and forth and double backing on on things that need to be noted or clarifications that need to be made on top of that the fact that like you said it doesn't have the limitations of potentially getting sick or taking time off it's it's just existing and then the second piece being able to what sounds like really allow assist the people in these positions to do the more high level work so they're not spending their time on the mundane obviously they can't go through as many records as quickly as AI can, but then what gets discovered, they're able to put their time to use where it sounds like it matters most. Am I, am I hearing you correctly? Absolutely. And on top of that, using AI, we can actually identify the key clinical terms for them instead of them having to find them, right? So they can open up their CDI assistant and actually the AI has picked out all these clinical terms and showed that telling them exactly where in the record it found them. Wow, that's like huge, because now they can just go there and say, oh, that makes clinical sense, that doesn't, that's important to me, that's not important to me. They can follow right along instead of having to search for those terms for themselves. So huge benefits in workflow and time for them if yeah. they can do that. Absolutely. All right, Tony, it was great talking with you again. Thank you for your time. Absolutely, enjoyed it, thank you. Thank you for listening to Nuance in Healthcare. To realize your improved revenue, visit nuance.com forward slash revenue.